I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It is the Bama Online Podcast. This one coming to you on a Monday afternoon, April the 5th, 2021. It is April the 5th, correct? Charlie, am I right on that? The days seem to run together. Oh, you just put me on the spot. I had to look at my watch when you said that. <laughs> that's one of the hardest things for me to keep up with is the date and like what date goes with what day of the week. Yeah, it is. I just checked. I just shut down my phone and then hit it again so it'll pull up the home screen and it is April the 5th. I, I One of the things we can break today on Bama Online <laughs> with our intrepid reporters that we have, the staff we have, it is in fact Charlie April the 5th. It's just if you go back to last March and just how much time I just spent at home and not having to really go anywhere other than a handful of games, like days of the week, what are they? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we know it's Monday, you know. If you if you get the day of the week right, then you get the answer right. Where you get extra credit is knowing the actual date. That's where you get the extra credit. So we we hit both of them there. Anyway, Charlie, let's get into it, man. What a weekend it was. First of all, I hope you had a great Easter. I know you're married to a medical professional, and so with her schedule, you kind of get what you get where the holidays are concerned, but I hope you had a great Easter. We did, yeah. We were able to get outside. It was nice weather. Um, Beautiful, man. I, I know it, it kind of got cold there for a little bit here in Tuscaloosa, but Sunday was really nice, and um you know, just in, enjoyed time together. Uh, still, you know, don't really want to be around the, the folks too much with, you know, them there. I think they got their uh, second round. They of get the second shots. This, weekend, or this past yeah. week. So still getting giving them a little bit of time. But, yeah, it was a good it was a good Easter weekend. What about you guys? Yeah, that's kind of where we're all at with our parents. Right. We just check in to see where they're at on the vaccination schedules. <laughs> and, yeah, that's kind of where our folks are at as well. Uh, with the COVID-19 vaccine, you're like, well, what'd you get? Did you get Pfizer? Did you get Moderna? You know, we've all become these experts on the topic. But no, we had a good one. You're right. The weather was outstanding. We did a little brunch with the youngest, uh, the UA freshman on Sunday. That's kind of a tradition for us with whoever's around. They're decreasing in numbers, it seems like, more and more every year. But it was great. It was a great Easter Sunday. It wasn't so much a great Friday, as we know. For the University of Alabama community as Luke Ratliff, University of Alabama student, widely known as Fluffopotamus or Fluffopotamus88, his handle on Twitter. Uh, just stunning for me anyway, Charlie, following on social media on Friday evening to, and also on our, on our, uh, on our message board, the roundtable there. Uh, we had a couple of threads where it became known that uh, Luke – 23 years old, was apparently dealing with an effect of the COVID-19 uh, virus, and it just seemed to 
accelerate seemingly in a in a span of minutes it seemed like charlie this all went down with luke ratliff on friday evening it did yeah um you just kind of saw uh members of the alabama basketball community start to to retweet things from his mom and people close to him just talking about praying for for luke and um it seemed like just a matter of minutes he was gone after that it of course you know you got to respect you know their their personal space and yeah, they they put it out there, I guess, um, as a as a last ditch effort almost. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's it's tough to see because you know I still consider myself a, a young individual. I'm I'm 29, but to hear someone that's a senior at UA and, and passing away at such a young age is is tough. But you know, Luke, um, if if you've watched an Alabama basketball game this season, whether at Coleman Coliseum or on TV, you've probably seen Luke, and he's. He almost he almost developed a, a sort of celebrity status. I mean, you could see whenever he would go around to uh, road games, especially up in Indianapolis and Nashville, you know, people are stopping and taking pictures with him. It's great to see for a guy that you know, from all accounts and, and hearing from you know, people around him, that he was a shy individual, kind of break out of the shell and, and get that notoriety. Um, just to, to hear him, you know, die at such a young age, it it sucks. Um, you know, I was talking to people at the memorial on on Saturday out there in front of Coleman, just, you know, it's a, it's a shitty situation and, uh, you hate to deal with it, but, you know, seeing the outpour of support from Alabama's coaches, from the players, from, uh, everybody in Alabama athletics, it's been you know, very touching. And, um, you can see how much he meant, not just to the basketball program, but to athletics as a whole. And, um, you know, Patrick Murphy wearing the, the plaid jacket out of their game on Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, all the teams kind of kind of paying homage to him. It's, it's been great to see. But you hate the fact they even have to do something like that because of what happened. Absolutely. The golf team, the men's golf team uh, cranking up an event over in Birmingham on Monday uh, with uh, some houndstooth fabric uh, pinned to their caps and their, you know, their gear and things like that show support and tribute to Luke Ratliff. It's just been amazing in a lot of ways too. And I think very much secondarily to, you know, what matters most in all this, uh, Luke has been a fascinating case study in fandom, right? When you combine not only his presence, at seemingly everywhere where university of Alabama athletics were concerned and, with an emphasis on men's basketball, obviously he's front and center. You were there uh, game by game at Coleman Coliseum, Kirk McNair of our staff. Also uh, he, he was, he was part of the backdrop. I mean, he was part of more than the backdrop. He was, he was right there. And so uh, that makes it even more shocking. But again, these days when you combine the presence that fans are able to develop or supporters are able to develop on social media, and then you combine that with again how much how much we saw Luke, you know, either at games on television. Uh, it really took it it, it kind of took fandom into this twenty first century, I guess you could say, where we're at when you combine all the factors in play. Yeah, I mean his presence on social media. Uh, I think that's maybe where I first kind of made the connections, like, oh, this is the same guy that's in the student section, just because his his tweets started popping up on my timeline, not only just because of what they pertain to and what I follow, obviously following everything with Alabama athletics. But I mean, he's a funny and witty person. And, um, you know, that kind of came through at that memorial on Saturday, but yeah, I mean, 
I think it was what, two years ago, Alabama was announcing its um, schedule. Or maybe it was before this season. It was actually it was before this season because he announced the the Jacksonville State game on social media on Instagram Live for Alabama basketball. So yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> what he was able to do from a, a social media standpoint, um, as well as just be at every game, be there hours beforehand. And it was, it was funny to hear it was Tyler Barnes that spoke at the Memorial and he talked about how initially it's just some crazy fan that gets there um, before the team even does. And he's out on the floor and then he's there after the game, but he really became part of the team. And you saw that with how guys like Brian Hodgson and Antoine Petway pulled him out of the stands and gave him a plaid jacket. Uh, I think he got a piece of the net after they cut those down after beating Auburn to celebrate that regular season championship. And he was really embraced as a part of this team. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's really special to see. I mean, Nate Oates um, and Hodgson uh, obviously had a really close relationship with him. They weren't able you know, to be at the Memorial be in town. They were uh, out for uh, out of town for Easter, but you know, just the way that they reacted on social media is really heartfelt. And um, it, it goes to show not only his, his presence, online but his presence in that gym and even you know resonating into the locker room what he meant to that program it, he was a really special person to a lot of people and you see that with that outpour support all over twitter and instagram and facebook and things like that yeah in hindsight man you're even more thankful that fans in the sec were able to access games right i mean you think about some other leagues some other areas of the country where that wasn't the case um there is that. I guess if you're looking for some silver linings, there really aren't any, but at least Luke had access to the things he loved most here yeah. in the last few months, right? Yeah. I mean, it would have been a shame if, if fans weren't allowed in the in the stands and um, you know, Luke hadn't been able to go to the games. And uh, yeah, it, it sounds like he was doing what he loved. I know um, one of his loves was, was Budweiser. There were a few cans. Uh, on the steps of Coleman, but I think he was a little disappointed up in India. They didn't have it on draft where he was celebrating, uh, <laughs> so he had to, um, you know, kind of swallow his pot a little bit and drink some Miller Lite. But that's just a fun anecdote on who he was and what he enjoyed doing. And yeah, I mean, it, it was great to see fans, even though it wasn't the the number that you wanted in the stands, because this was a special Alabama basketball season. Um, you know, it would have been crazy to see what those crowds would have been like had it been a, a normal year because Coleman yeah. would act almost every night. But regardless of how many fans were in there, I don't think anybody would have beat Luke into the stands to, to his seat there at the front of the, the Crimson Chaos. And I'm glad he did get to you know enjoy some basketball and enjoy some games on the road. And we at BamaOnline.com absolutely send our continued thoughts and prayers to the Ratliff family, uh, close friends, friends in general. Uh, people still hurting. Very nice touch over the weekend to see not only the University of Alabama from an official capacity uh, honor Luke in, in a couple of different ways, but even the city of Tuscaloosa with uh, City Hall illuminated in red and white lights in honor of Luke on Saturday and Sunday evenings. Uh, Government Plaza downtown also right there in that same area at the central parking uh, transport transportation center right there also did the same uh, just shows you man how impactful luke ratliff really was on a number of different levels and again uh, light and love to to everyone close to him hey charlie we did have 
the men's basketball tournament continuing on with the final four over the weekend. Hell of a game Saturday night, man. UCLA and Gonzaga. And what I'm going to ask you is, seeing as how UCLA played Gonzaga off its feet and Alabama lost to UCLA in overtime in the round of 16, still would have had Michigan there in the eight. Uh, but is it reasonable to wonder in retrospect here? What might have happened had Alabama gotten to Gonzaga? Do you think perhaps we could add a similar type of matchup, a similar type of game? I mean, that's a classic on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. Um, I don't think Michigan played very well in the Elite Eight, and you know, some of that has to do with UCLA. But you know, Nate Oates and company talked about it before. I mean, UCLA wants to to slow things down and play to their pace, and of course, Alabama. Uh, wants to speed things up. So you had a, a clash of different styles in that. Uh, I think that's kind of helped them uh, in this tournament run or helped them past tense now. But, um, you know, I think it's reasonable to, to wonder. I know a lot of Alabama fans are, are sick to their stomach just to see, you know, that, that Michigan game in the lead eight. I mean, the way that it turned out, I think most people think that Alabama could have won that game had it made it to that round. Now, Gonzaga, I, I don't know. Um, you know, that's a team that, they haven't lost a game dating back to last season. Um, you know, they have just a, a stellar lineup. So I don't know about that one. I think they could have, had they beaten UCLA in overtime, I think they could have reached the Final Four, but I don't know about getting past the Zags. You said it earlier about styles. UCLA style, and give Mick Cronin a hell of a lot of credit, man. Um, that team was made it extremely difficult on everybody It it encountered there on that run um you think maybe alabama's preference of styles might have played into gonzaga's strength whereas ucla uh was counter to that with the way they like to play i mean i think so a little bit yeah um you know not a lot I think of people... gonzaga's comfortable gonzaga's comfortable with the way alabama plays yeah I think. You, you can tell they like to run even though you know, they have Timmy and some some big guys. I mean, Jalen Suggs can keep up, and uh, some of the yeah. guys they have can keep up. So yeah, I mean that's that's the reason that I think that had they gotten past UCLA, which I mean, hell, that game came down to overtime too, and then they play a Michigan team that's a little beat up, and they didn't play their best against UCLA. Um, th- I think they could get to the Final Four. I think a lot of people projected that early on before they even saw the matchups, but. I just don't I don't know if they had enough to to beat Gonzaga now. Let's take a quick break, Charlie. And when we come back here on the Bama online podcast, we're going to get into some spring football talk. We have scrimmage number one of spring drills behind us. We'll get into that. We'll look ahead to what's to come over the second half of spring football at the University of Alabama. We'll do that more with Charlie Potter, the Bama online dot com staff on the Bama online podcast right after this ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, 
turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are back with more of the Bama Online podcast on this Monday, April the 5th, 2021. A lot of basketball talk, a lot of Luke Ratliff talk in the first half of the program today. Now we're going to get into some football, Charlie, as the Crimson Tide last Friday conducted its first spring scrimmage in a couple of years. Forget about just this spring, but got to go back, I guess, to 2019, the last time we were talking spring scrimmages around the capstone. Just from that perspective, it was refreshing. Um, But I guess in terms of storylines for scrimmage number one, obviously quarterback you knew was going to be at the top of that list. And to hear Nick Saban talk and to uh, go by some of the intel from the scrimmage that we were able to gather – Sounds like Bryce Young was what he needed to be, at least early in the spring. Yeah, I mean, so far, unless asked about the quarterbacks in general, you know, Nick Saban's kind of given a, a Bryce Young update during his opening statement or, or just kind of heaped praise on, on Bryce for the way that he's been conducting himself. And one of the things that he's talked about continuously is his uh, ability to manage the game and manage the offense. And he, he mentioned that. On Friday, just talking about how he did a pretty good job in that area. He was accurate with the ball. You made some explosive plays, and uh, again, just managed the whole system. Um, so, I, I think that's a that's a good step for Bryce. I mean, understanding the playbook and being able to manage uh, the offense is is a big deal. I know game managers almost a, a bad word at this point when talking about a, a quarterback. I don't I don't think Bryce Young is just a game manager. He's an explosive athlete and has a lot of explosive ability. So to hear Nick Saban mention a few explosive plays is is good. And, you know, we saw in the clips that they put out um, later in the weekend that he did have some zip on the ball and he did throw some balls into some tight windows. And um, I think that's good to see from him. So uh, I think he had a good day. For the most part, he was going against the second team defense. That's just kind of how Alabama does it. So that left Paul Tyson going against the first team defense. And it, it sounds like that first team defense, especially the defensive front, uh, had a pretty strong showing on Friday. Um, from everything I've gathered, you know, Chris Allen and Will Anderson were pretty much unblockable. Um, they had consistent pressure on, on Tyson, who had to get rid of the ball and had some some quick throws. And uh, the defensive line, uh, both first and second team, uh, did some really nice things. Uh, I think the first team defense is kind of coming together. It's still early. There's plenty of things that can change. You still have guys coming in in the summer. We don't know what's going to happen with Henry Toa Toa. Uh, from Tennessee, but uh, to hear that the defense is is you know pretty far along, that's not surprising because the offense has so much to to replace. But uh, still, for him to mention Bryce Young in his opening and then to commend the first team defense, I think all in all, if you're an Alabama fan, to have that and then to hear of no injuries, I think you have to feel pretty good about that first scrimmage. Yeah, the no injuries angle is always a good thing, and you're right. You know. Whereas Bryce is going against the second team defense, it sounds like a good bit. He's doing so against an offensive line that is very much going to be revamped. And a second team defensive line that when you think about the options that has played a lot of football. So even in that group, you're thinking the Alabama defense is ahead of the offense, which is 
something the defense has been trying to catch up with here, it seems like, for a couple of years around UA. A lot of that having to do with how prolific these offenses have been at Alabama of late. But it does sound like, at least, we are back to the days of the defense being ahead uh, in spring practice. And, yeah, for Paul Tyson, tough situation. I mean, it does sound like very much that Bryce is is, is in command of that number one spot. But, you know, when you're Paul Tyson and you're working behind a very inexperienced offensive line with receivers that – you know, by and large, maybe consisting of early enrollees. Uh, that's a tough spot to be in too when you're when you're the number two quarterback. It is. I mean, just going against the first team defense is rough. But like you said, the offensive line right now is kind of patched together. You don't have Emile Ekior out there, who's a returning starter. Um, Pierce Quick, who's a guy that I think will be in competition for one of those guard spots, is is not out there. So you know, the first team offensive line from left to right looks like Evan Neal. Tommy Brown at left guard, if Chris Owens at center, JV and Cohen, who's in his second year at right guard, and a mixture of Damian George and, and Kendall Randolph um, at right tackle. Even though I did see, you know, watching the the highlights they put out, it did look like J.C. Latham, the true freshman, got some run with the ones at right tackle, but he's been at right tackle with the twos. And the that second group is very inexperienced. You have Amari Kite mm-hmm. at left tackle, uh, Tanner Bowles, I believe, was at left guard for the most part. Uh, Darian Dalcourt at center, uh, Seth McLaughlin at right guard, and then Latham at right tackle. So that's a lot of inexperience on that uh, second-team offensive line. And you're having to block Anderson and Allen and Boigby and Byron Young and DJ Dell and, and even yeah. LeBron Ray. So that's, that's, a tough, that's a tough road to hoe for those guys. But um, it does show the, the depth of the defense. Cause I think the second-team defensive line had a really good day, guys like Kim Smith, uh, Jamarian Latham, Jamil Burroughs, Stephon Wynn. So um, to hear them kind of you know have a solid day against the first group is is encouraging because the offensive line is still a work in progress. There's still a long way to go. Nick Saban said that a lot of these young guys' heads are, are swimming with how much they're having to take on. And you you have a starter that you know is going to step in and and fill a, a guard position that's on the bench right now in Milekior. So yeah, I mean the depth of the defense kind of flexed a little bit uh on saturday or on friday but the same thing goes i mean bryce young had a good day he was able to score some touchdowns get the ball to tight ends they threw the tight ends quite a bit on friday yeah it looked like latu latu had an explosive play maybe for a touchdown based on some stuff we saw maybe it was situational work but good to see from him too right yeah, and I, th- I think it was in both situational and just in the scrimmage. And it's, it was it is worth noting that some of the situational stuff. So they'll put the ball at like you know third and six, you know, third and two, third and long. They'll have goal line situations. That's a Red lot zone. of the times when they do yeah. that, it's ones against ones. And it sounds like mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Latou and and Bryce Young have a have a rapport. And Jaleel Billingsley also had a, a big day too. So getting the ball to tight end that that sounds like that might be something that Bill O'Brien wants to do um you know the receivers you know I, I, obviously john Mechie's not out there but you know, slade bolden is an experienced guy it sounds like javon baker had a pretty solid day i think he and maybe uh xavier williams scored touchdowns so that's another area where you have a guy out but you have a ton to replace with Devonte smith and uh jalen waddle leaving so that is a big opportunity a big window for some of these young guys to to seize roles and i think that this is a position group especially at, at receiver that you know it, it could change and we can see guys working the ones uh it could alter and, and and be different throughout the entire spring 
Yeah, I think the offense in general, offensive line, wide receiver, you know, those areas, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, could look different week to week, scrimmage to scrimmage. Running back, Brian Robinson, obviously the most experienced guy, but from what we could gather, did it feel like uh, th- this was maybe the kind of committee approach or could you could project it to be at least more the committee approach that we've talked about here and, and other where other places? I think so. Um, you know, for the most part this spring, it sounds like it's been Brian Robinson and Jace McClellan working with the twos. And that's good news for Jace. I think he showed a lot of promise last year and, uh, Keelan Robinson, I think could be considered the third back. He's worked some with the twos and maybe gotten some run with the ones, but those have consistently been your top three backs. And that, that says a lot about Keelan too. I mean, he's a guy that didn't play at all last year, mm-hmm. comes in, adds some, some mass and Juice. now he's a guy Juice. that, yeah. But he's right back there in the mix. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Trey Sanders. I mean, he's a guy that's been doing some things, but he obviously didn't scrimmage coming off of that hip injury. You still have Roydell Williams in the fold. Uh, Kyle Edwards is another year older. And then you have a five-star in Kamar Wheaton coming in. So I think it could be definitely, yeah, more of a committee approach. I don't think you're going to see a season like what Najee Harris had last year, even the year before, where he sees a, a line share of the carries. I think they would split it up pretty well. But for the most part, early through spring or at least midway through spring it's been brian robinson jace mcclellan as the the guys working with the ones and you could sprinkle in keelan there as well so let's talk about one area of this alabama defense where you envision where we think there's the most competition going on is it inside linebacker opposite christian harris is it the corner spot opposite job is it maybe one of those defensive line positions which one of those charlie is maybe maybe positioned a certain way right now from a personnel perspective, but by the time we get through a day, it could be different. Yeah, I mean for the defensive line, I I, I think there's like almost four starters up there, just because um, you know a Boyd B. Byron Young, LeBron Ray, they they've all played first team minutes at the defensive end spot, so um, it's hard to to even in, it. It is open, but those just all seem like returning starters. It's almost unfair to, to pin uh, Christian Barmore as a departing starter because a guy like a boy be started more games than him. But for me, I would go with corner because mm-hmm. right now it sounds like Jalen Armour Davis. It's just is, one guy. You're yeah. not playing a rotation at corner. You're playing a rotation at DL, but at corner, right? It's, it's going to be one of those dudes, and that, that's going to be about it, you would think. Yeah, and they've even in the past they've done rotations at inside linebacker. You know, we've seen um, right. you know Ruben Foster and, and Sean Dion Hamilton kind of do a, a by committee approach there. So for corner is the is the biggest for me on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and right now Jalen Armour Davis has been the guy that's been there the the most consistently. But you know, Nick Saban's mentioned Marcus Banks. That's a guy that we've talked about before. Is kind of the under the radar player. I know he's kind of dealt with a, a little bit of an injury or maybe not an injury, but like. Uh, a nagging issue but he's still been out there and, and working and then you know Jaquincy McKinstry and it, it's great to hear Nick Saban call him Kool-Aid I just love hearing that in press conferences <laughs> but um he's he's been working with the twos it's been Banks and, and McKinstry there with the twos with um you look at Ronald Williams and um Brandon Turnage with the threes and you also you're gonna have a guy in Kyrie Jackson who a lot of people are high on coming in the summer so I think that one is mm-hmm. where the competition is still um 
to be determined. It could change. You know, we could see maybe banks work with the ones. Heck, you could maybe see Chiquincy, you know, get some work with the ones. But right now, it's been Armor Davis, and I just think there's there's a lot of bodies at one spot, and there's a lot of capable options that the competition I don't think will be settled by the end of spring. They love their safeties, and they incorporate them in a lot of what they do in the nickel and dime. So if you're in that corner competition, the stakes are heightened because it could be one guy really for one spot, you know, six guys, five, six guys for one spot. But I guess if you've got some guys that really impress you, you could look at that star position as well for some competition with a couple of those safeties. Um, and additionally, so, Hey, Charlie, as always, great stuff, man. always appreciate the time. Uh, good talking with you. Uh, always look forward to doing this. Yeah, me too, man. It's always good to catch up. And I hate that we had to, you know, start it off with you know, some yeah. somber news. But uh, it, is, it has been really good to see Tuscaloosa kind of wrap its arms around the, the Ratliff family and just uh, show how much that, that he meant to so many people, even if they've never talked to him before. That, that was really cool to see. Yeah, the GoFundMe that was started initially by Brian Hodson of the Alabama Bass men's basketball staff. And, guy, last check, that thing was in the $50,000 range. So yeah. uh, it's been great to see. And, look, need to keep it going. This is something that that family's going to need continued support with. I have no doubt about that. But, boy, you, you can't say enough good things about the Alabama community for, for how they've shown their support to this point. Charlie, we'll do it again soon. All right, man. Always good to catch up. There he goes. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job for us at BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryder, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription? Leave us a rating and a review while you're there. That would be greatly appreciated as well. Until next time, take care, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.